Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 110, with Tori Boykins. And welcome to episode 110 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. On this episode, my guest is a person that many of you that listen to the show or follow the sports design scene on Twitter may know but whose career has actually been quite eclectic. From majoring in interior design to starting a business in college to eventually finding a career as a graphic designer, she's a person of many talents that also possesses a humility that is rare in today's seemingly egocentric and vanity-driven sports design industry. She's interned for former guest Jordan Giesler of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and also, just a quick shout out to Jordan, who got his um, Super Bowl ring today. Um, and she is a talented graphic designer for the Kansas City Royals. I've known this person for a couple years now and have seen her work super hard to break into the sports design industry. And she's putting out work that people admire tremendously, and in my case, am very jealous of. I'm very happy to welcome to the podcast one of Cincinnati's finest and also my friend, Tori Boykins. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thanks, Adam. That was an amazing, amazing intro. <laughs> Super happy to be here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to have you. And I, and I have to ask the question that I think every Cincinnati, the cliche question every Cincinnati person gets asked when they come on any type of show or podcast. And I'm sure you know what that is, right? Uh, it's either going to be about Chile or <laughs> who's my team. <laughs> yeah. So are you Skyline or Gold Star? I am neither. I am not a fan of either one. I said it. It's on the record. I'm not a fan. I don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can go back there. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. (laughs) I'm more of a fan of graders and grippos and those things. Those two, those two things are uh, amazing. Uh, I think I would choose those over, over the chili as well. So, um, well, let's, let's start from, start from the beginning. Um, I I think that, you know, one of the, I'm obviously for people that are listening, Lexington, the Lexington area is very close to Cincinnati. So I sort of, identify with a lot of things that Tori probably grew up with. Um, uh, Cincinnati, Louisville, and, and Lexington are basically within an hour of each other, a, a triangle, and it's you sort of just commute to all, all the various cities sort of commute into one another. Um, but, you know, one thing that's kind of a stereotypical thing in, that, in the tri-state area is people will often go off to attend since, uh, University of Cincinnati, Xavier, or Northern Kentucky University, and then they'll head off to work at this massive company called Procter and Gamble, um, or or some some offshoot of that that uh, that works with that company. Um, I believe you you told me in the past your parents did follow this path right and worked at P and G. Yeah, so my dad and his wife both retired from Procter and Gamble. So, and my sister works there now. So, they, it's definitely in our family. <laughs> Procter and Gamble and GE actually. So, Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a family business, but you actually you kind of went a different path. I mean, you yeah. uh you're a creative and and I think most of us uh that come from families that do something completely different, we're we're kind of like uh kind of like the the weird sort of weird one in our family where it's like, oh, you can't make any work. You can't make any money with that. Or what are you going to do? Like you can't draw pictures for people. And, (laughs) and (laughs) yeah, I'm definitely the weird one. So, so give us some insight into that, into growing up in Cincinnati. Um, and then kind of when you began to feel the urge or, or sort of understand that maybe you had this, uh, I guess, creative bone or this urge to do something different than what, what seemed like the, the traditional path from, from your family. Yeah, growing up in Cincinnati was great. I feel like it's one of those smaller cities that can can feel big when you want it to. So I feel like, you know, I, I got to play a lot of sports in, in high school. I played basketball. I played tennis with my brother sometimes. Um, so, you know, I, I was playing basketball year round. And that was really how I kind of fell in love with sports in general. So... Uh, growing up, you know, in elementary school, I would always find myself um, buying those little 25 cent notebooks from the little uh, machine that you, you know, twist the handle and a notebook right, comes right. out and I yeah. would be sketching. Little gum bomb machine type things. Yeah. And 
<laughs> yeah. And so my favorite thing to sketch at the time was Pokemon because that's what I was into. Yeah. And I'm a nerd and I admit Yeah, that. yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a big time <laughs> but, nerd thing right there. <laughs> for sure. So I was always, you know, just sketching those, um, watching different cartoons, things like that. And I think, I think that's kind of where it sparked for me. And then it just evolved um, as I got older into um, interior design, which so, is something that I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to ask um, real quick, since you played basketball year round, I'm assuming that is that like AAU basketball and you were, I mean, you were really into it then if you're playing year round. Yeah, I was into it. I would travel um, on the weekends when we're in the off season. I had practice, all that kind of stuff. I was doing AAU ball um, and got to experience some really cool stuff. Um, so, yeah. So it seems like that a lot of people that grow up playing basketball and then eventually find their way to like a design or a creative profession um, kind of became enamored with like sneakers and that sort of world early on. Were you Were you into that at all? I actually wasn't too into sneakers and all that stuff. Um, I mean, I wanted a fresh pair of Air Force Ones in high school. And yeah. That was probably <laughs> the extent of it, really. Um, so was, that when the, was that when the Nelly song was the Nelly song was popular? Probably. <laughs> that, that feels right. Yeah, that feels right. I, actually, I think Air Force Ones are making a comeback. Funny enough, I've, I've started I to see so them too. a lot more. Yeah. So, so you were into Pokemon. Uh, I think you mentioned to me in the past that you you were some part of some Pokemon club or something, and you like drew things. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. It really the position just was there. I just made it up. I'm the club drawer, and I would just draw any Pokemon for any Pokemon cards we got that week or whatever. I was just making things up. <laughs> so so that, I did that. So you kind of got. Um, beca- I'm assuming you became known. This seems to be like the common thing when for for people that do that, you became known as like the the art kid or the one that like, hey, uh, can you draw me or like, can you draw, um, you know, whatever logo on my notebook and that kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. So, so you did mention you kind of started to get, get into it, um, but you eventually um, found your way to Purdue University, uh, which is which is, uh, you know, not in the tri-state area of one of the universities that I mentioned earlier. Um, and you majored in, of all things, interior design. So uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, how in the world did you discover interior design? Like, what, what made you pick that, that major yeah. and, and even decide to go to Purdue to, to pursue that? Because Purdue's obviously an engineering-heavy uh, school, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Yeah, everybody thinks I'm, I was, went to Purdue for engineering, and it's, yeah, so far from that. <laughs> but um, Purdue is actually only about like three hours from Cincinnati. And I knew that Cincinnati is a very comfortable place. You know, my family was there. It's a very, it's a really, you know, nice city to just, you know, uh, have a job, live in, raise kids, all that kind of stuff. So it's easy to kind of get stuck there. Um, so I was really wanting to just get away um, from school, but be close enough to, um be able to go home when I wanted to. And I realized that Purdue actually had a decent interior design program. So that's kind of how I came to wanting to go to Purdue and as a big 10 school. And I mean, you get the whole full college experience there. So that's something, yeah, football, basketball, like Mm -hmm. I really wanted that experience. So um, I decided to actually major in interior design um, because I was finding that. So I was, I used to play the Sims a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which is, I feel like most people know what The Sims is. So instead of actually playing the people, I would always just be in that game, building houses and creating spaces and making different rooms and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I hardly ever actually played uh, the people. And so I just found a love for doing that. I would do that for hours and hours and try to download different like wallpaper packs and furniture and things like that. So I just, um, that's kind of how I grew to love interior design. And then I just was like, Hmm, let me learn more about this. Yeah. Um, so it just started to look like a path that I wanted to go down. And I think for me, what sealed the deal was I was in Chicago, um, I can't remember when, but I think it was for spring break one year. I think I was a junior. And we went to this restaurant called Carnival. And I'm not actually even sure if it's there anymore still. But I just remember walking in there and the ambiance, the, you know, furniture, the lighting, the colors, all of that. I was like, wow, the inside of this restaurant is like amazing. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, um, that was the spark that was like, okay, 
this is actually what I, I think I want to do and I want to go into. Um, and it was still something that was creative. So, yeah. And, and now, now you said carnival, right? Like, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is based off of like the whole Brazilian festival yeah. kind of thing. Yep, a lot of lively colors and just the, just all of that. Yeah, like costumes, fl- uh, floats, like dancing. Like it's a it's a it's a big deal. Uh, I know in in that culture, and it's uh, a lot of creativity and things involved in that. Um, no, that's 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 quite interesting. So um, you did end up there, and and we we actually discussed that you you got towards the end of your major, and you're 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 kind of like. I don't know that I particularly like interior design <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, and it seems like kind of like an accidental thing happened where you, you had joined a sorority and, and you were kind of doing some stuff there. Uh, tell us about that and, and sort of leading into, into that next, next part of your journey. Yeah, so um, my sophomore year, I joined uh, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, and it's one of nine black fraternities and sororities. And... Um, you know, through that, um, I started actually um, creating different woodwork and paddles and memorabilia and paraphernalia for different um, organizations on campus. So it kind of just started with me, you know, making a paddle for one of my older sorority sisters. And somebody saw it and was like, oh, that's really neat. Like, can you make some for for um, our younger members. And I was like, sure, you know, how many or whatever. So um, I kind of got a taste of what it might be like to have my own business or just, you know, um, have it, people have a need, they want me to, you know, paint something for them, create something for them. And it was just really fun to do that. So about the end of my sophomore year, um, I was like, you know, interior design is not actually what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I feel like there was a lot of the positions that, you know, were out there at the time just felt very sales oriented and I, and I wasn't having fun anymore. Um, so I just decided to finish out, finish out my, um, finish out my degree in interior design. And in the meantime, I had started this sort of like a company in my apartment in, co- in college um, and called it Certified Designs. And I was just painting paddles for different organizations on campus. I was doing flyers. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Now, this was mostly like Greek organizations and stuff? Yeah, mostly Greek organizations. So uh, real quick, for people that don't, um, that maybe don't understand kind of like the Greek scene and all that. I mean, I was in a fraternity in college and and they sort of say, oh, well, you're in this for life and whatnot. But the one thing, but we, we but, but the one thing that I noticed uh, that like I, we didn't, I, when I left, like it was like, okay, yeah, I don't really, I still kind of talk to those people, whatever. But one thing that I've found interesting about black fraternities and sororities is, is like, they legitimately, it becomes like this lifetime sort of thing. I mean, I see people like in my town right now where I live, uh, you know, teachers that I had when I was in, in school and, uh, you know, friends of mine's grandparents, and they still all kind of have their um, Greek letters on their car and, and those types of things. And so if you could kind of maybe just give some insight into that a little bit, because I think, you know, not everybody was pursued the Greek life, but also, you know, even understanding that it, it kind of became this sort of lifestyle or lifelong thing and and it sort of provided like a business for you to do this stuff for people's you know moms and whatever yeah so when you join when you join a black Greek organization you do join it for life um it, it just dates back to our rich histories and everything that you know all of our founders had to overcome to start these organizations that were based on scholarship and service and all of those things um so you know, it's definitely for life we've committed to, uh, you know, being part of our communities and uh, education and, you know, all of that stuff. So it's definitely something that we can carry throughout in any city that I go to or any event that I'm at. I might see somebody who's in my sorority and I already feel like, you know, I've, I've got a friend or I've got a sister there, no matter where I'm at in the world, really. Right. So this essentially this gave you a, like a, like a client base that was, you know, more than just like local, uh, college people, uh, you know, joining Greek lives. Like this is, you're, you're starting to kind of expand out into like people's grandparents and, uh, connections down the line and, and, and grow your client base, which is going to allow uh, later certified designs to end up being something that you were able to do for, for quite a long time. 
Yeah, you could say client base. I would say, you know, it's hard to just when you say the word client base, because I feel like anywhere I go, anybody who's Greek on any level in any fraternity sorority and the divine nine is is like family in some sense or like we there's a familiarity there. But they, yeah, definitely from business terms, um, definitely helped, you know, uh, it's, it's a specific niche. So it's great to be able to connect with a lot of different people around the country. Yeah. And now. You know, it, it almost sounds like, well, I started this thing in my apartment and I was kind of doing it like part time. But then what happens is you, you actually end up graduating with a degree in interior design and then not actually mm-hmm. pursuing a job in that space. This business, um, if I remember from our previous conversation, had actually become a viable and a real thing where you were able to pursue that essentially as a career. Yeah, I was. And I mean, and while I was painting paddles, my my whole room was filled with paddles and wood and paint and all that kind of stuff. But like during that time, I had made myself a little logo and had some business cards and made some flyers. And um, I think I actually even had started a website before I even left college, if I remember correctly. So I was, you know, I had my eyes set on this is what I want to do when I leave college. And I want to be an entrepreneur. This is this is the life I'm going to choose. And I did that. Now, did you have um, uh, any any understanding of entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, because like at least in my case, I didn't. I, I came from a pretty pretty blue collar family, and we didn't. I, I didn't understand that even starting a business was a thing, right? I thought you basically already had to have money to even start a business, right? I didn't think you could just kind of provide a service or start some little thing in your uh, in your apartment and then and then turn that into something that sort of fed you, right? And now you were controlling your own time and all those things. So I'm curious if you had any sort of mentors or or, or anything that you had noticed growing up or throughout your life that, that maybe subconsciously um, or even consciously gave you some insight into doing something like that. You know what? My godmother... Um, growing up, she had a, like a boutique kind of store that she, she ran and I would visit her all the time there. And I saw her hustling. I saw her, you know, bringing different, bringing in different, you know, design clothes and purses and bags and all types of stuff. And like had her own, own storefront and everything. And I think subconsciously, like I saw that and I saw what she was doing and I was like, okay, like she's her own boss. Like, that's really cool. Like, I feel like that's something that um, really inspired me to just have the strength to be able to go out on my own. And honestly, just my family in general, like um, we were definitely a really business oriented family. Um, so I think that played a role into just mm-hmm. how I, you know, just went after it and was just like, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to try this. And if it doesn't work out, um, then it doesn't work out. And I know, you know, my family's got my back and right. it just felt nice to have that support system, which I was very, very blessed to have. Right. Right. So, so eventually one year ended up turning into six years and then you, you, yeah. mo- you, you ended up, uh, in San, moving to San Antonio, Texas for various reasons. Um, but you kind of, while you were in Texas discovered this, a uh, newfound passion for graphic design. And you were mentioning to me that um, you kind of got caught up in old school thinking and decided you needed to go get like a certificate or a degree. And yeah. <laughs> this is like a whole, this is like a whole can of worms right here. We can get in, we can get into. It really is. <laughs> so I had, when you're running a company for six years, you know, I had, you know, family and friends help me out when I go vend different conferences and go vend at different places. But I think I just got a little burnt out. So I started to lose passion for my company and what I was doing a little bit. And so I had developed all these skills and didn't really know where to place them. But um, I rediscovered my love for graphic design. And I was like, okay, I think I want to step away from my business and do it part-time now and not full-time. So there's where that old school way of thinking, quote unquote, pops in. I was like, I have to go back to school. Right. So I ended up enrolling um, into like a little certificate program at uh, San Antonio College for communications design. And I was like, if I want to get a job in it, I'm sure they're going to want to see, you know, I'm committed in that I've gone back to school and um, to hone my craft and all that stuff. Right. So that's kind of how I ended up getting back into graphic design. But it was honestly one of the best decisions I made because that's what connected me to my internship with um, a company called J12 Designs in San Antonio. 
And that's where I started working with a basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so J12 Designs uh, was a company. I believe you said the the gentleman's name was James Lewis Jr. Um, it it yep. was a, a, a black-owned business. Um, it, mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, it really seemed like it was a, a pivotal moment, I guess, in your career. You know, maybe not even just working with with. Uh, with the local basketball team, but just, just in general, some of the things that you were able to learn. So can you elaborate on that company and maybe uh, working with him and kind of the things that he was able to teach you or, or opportunities that, that you got there, uh, which eventually led into working with the, uh, with the Aztecs. J12 Designs is actually um, more like a web design company. Um, at least at the time they were doing a lot of web design, um, also graphic design too. Um, so that's kind of what he like what he's really known for um and so there i was just able to work he had a lot of different types of clients so i was able to just kind of get a lot of experience working on different types of things i was doing ads i was doing graphics for this basketball team i was doing web layouts and things like that and i'm just working closely with him and him you know teaching me the right way to design and the best way to do things like to be quite honest with you, I didn't even know how to cut things out with the pen tool until I started this internship because they actually teach me that at the school that I went to. So, you know, just little things like that. I just what started in, what learning. What in the world did you learn? <laughs> I know, it was literally the, the select tool. Oh, just use the select yeah. tool and um, just do your whatever. And that's how you, that's how you cut out things right. and you mask it and then you clean up the edges. And just looking back at that, I'm just like, wow. (laughs) So it was just like little technical things I learned. And then also, you know, how to get a client, what the clients are looking for, um, how to speak to a client or pitch something. So you were, were you able to, you were able to sit in on some of those meetings and sort of, uh, observe, I guess, those kind of, uh, quote unquote soft skills that, that he was, um, that he had sort of developed over time? Yeah, a few of them. Yeah, I was able to, which was great. Um, so, and that's, you know, he had a connection with this really where I'm um, called the Alamo city Aztecs and they were just getting started in, in um, San Antonio. And so they were very new um, and they're playing for a league called the MLBA. And so that's, that's really where my introduction to working with the team and sports really came from. Mm-hmm. So I would just do projects that he assigned me for them. And I was like, it was maybe a three on three tournament here, you know, a certain night there. And so I would just make flyers and player graphics and just random things like that. Yeah. And so, so that ended up uh, becoming a large part of your portfolio. I I don't know if this is around the time that we met or not, but you also at some point throughout this process got involved in like the boxing industry. Right. And you, you kind of started doing a little work there, or maybe you were uh, actually working out at a gym and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I knew that, you know, I was going to have to beef up my portfolio. Like that was going to have to happen because I didn't have too much in there that, um, that I was super proud of. So I, I'm, I'm a boxer. I box just for fitness right now, but I used to compete. And so I was always at my boxing gym and I noticed that my coach, he needed a new logo. Like his logo was, you know, it was great. It had, you know, that old school vibe and feel to it. But I was like, Hey coach, like, you know, I'm taking classes right now. Do you mind if I use your gym, um, as a project and kind of, you know, make this new logo for you? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like yeah. go, go ahead like that's great like have fun so I took that on because I knew it was a real life application that was going to be coming from it right um so I designed the logo for team Apple Sarah boxing and we put it on some t-shirts on some hoodies and all kinds of stuff so that was really uh great to just have two of my favorite things just come together right and now uh, eventually you moved on from J12 which um and I J12 was an internship, right? Yeah. Or did you get hired on as a, as a designer at some point? Uh, no, I just did an internship and that was actually through okay. school. So. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually you moved on to like an investment firm doing a bunch of kind of boring corporate work, you know, and, oh, yeah. um, and so it seems like that, you know, outside of sort of this corporate design, like newsletters and all those things that, this boxing work and this Aztec work uh, sort of like 
almost was like kind of a passion project, I guess, where you were able to do like some more entertainment based, cool, you know, quote unquote, cool design outside of like the day to day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I continued to work with the Aztecs too. Um, when I had got the job, like I wasn't, you know, I was just doing it for fun. So I had put together, he didn't even ask the CEO, his name is Ryan Johnson. Uh, he didn't even ask me for any of the graphics, but I was like, you know, I had all these high quality images from the team and all that kind of stuff. So I literally just put together a whole package for him and I emailed it to him and I was like, Hey, I just made these things like just for fun. Um, here you can take a look at them. You can use them if you want to, if you need anything else, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And he emailed me back and was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. Like, this is cool. Like how much would you charge for this? How much would you charge for that? And I was like, okay, okay, cool. Like, this is something that I could get paid for. Now I am curious though, because this is one thing that like, for me personally, having worked for myself for so long, what was it like transitioning from someone that's able to kind of make their own decisions? And now you're, you're, you're an employee, right? You know what? At first, I enjoyed it because I wasn't having to make every decision yeah. all the time. You could just get your paycheck, show up, get your paycheck, and not have to think about it anymore yep. after five o'clock or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Like, give me a task. I'm really good at completing tasks. Like, I can knock this out. Um, it's all good. And I don't have to take it home with me. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to go check on some paddles I shellacked at six o'clock in the morning or whatever. Like, I don't have to do any of that extra stuff. Right. But you, I guess you said you liked it at first, but did it eventually kind of? (laughs) I think the job that I was in, so you were talking and mentioning the uh, investment firm, Uh I started to not like it based off mostly of where I worked. Were you having to like dress up and like that whole thing or? It was business casual. I'm pretty sure I was like the youngest person at the company and I was probably in my mid to late twenties at the time. Um, and it was just a lot of older ways of thinking and yeah. you're working with investment bankers and you know, all that stuff. So yeah, it sounds, it sounds miserable. <laughs> it wasn't As for, a creative. <laughs> for me and where I was at, but, yeah. um, so I, I was doing that for a little bit, but I mean, I was so excited when I got that job because I was like, okay, I can actually be employed as a graphic designer. Yeah. 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 And, right. You know, that was, you know, gratifying for me. I remember having that feeling too, like the first, um, the first time that I did real work when I was in college, um, I got a job at an advertising agency, a local advertising agency doing like car ads and local restaurant sort of things. And I, I remember being just so excited, right? Like even though some of the work in hindsight now wasn't that interesting, it's like I was getting paid to do graphic design and I wasn't like pushing carts at Kroger anymore, bagging groceries, which is yeah. what I was doing, you know, to make ends meet. Um, so uh, there's kind of that honeymoon period, I guess. <laughs> and, then it, yeah. and then it kind of becomes like a little task heavy and you're just like, okay, it starts to be a job. And then you start to kind of look for those things that can scratch your creative um, or stretch your creative muscles, which, which for you obviously, you know, ended up being the boxing gym and those types of things. Uh, there was a moment at this company where, you wanted to go to a design conference and there's a company mm-hmm. um, called Under Consideration. They have this website for people that aren't familiar um, called Brand New. And it's a, it's a, it's a branding blog, basically. They discuss like uh, visual identities and kind of compare and contrast them to the old ones. And, and, the, and the, the writer of the, uh, of the blog uh, provides critique and news and whatnot. So they had put on a conference. You wanted to go to the conference. I don't, believe that you went, but you did make a pretty large discovery that kind of motivated (laughs) and inspired you to completely shift, uh, and discover a a new, a new, um, niche, I guess, of graphic design. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I absolutely, because this is where things started igniting. Like this is where the spark happened. So I was, I was wanting to go to a design conference, like you already said. And so I submitted a proposal to, for them to send me to the brand new um, conference. And so when I was doing research on it, I came across a speaker who at the time was a designer for the Tennessee Titans. And her name is Ashley Strauss. I'm sure yep. all of you know who, are, who know who that is. An, an alumnus of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if she knows this story. So I haven't really even told it to many, uh, many people. Yeah. So um, I saw she was a speaker and I saw her job title and I was like, 
and I can't remember if it was specifically graphic designer or what her title was at the time, but I was like, that's a thing you can do for a professional team. Yeah. Like I actually <laughs> didn't even know that there were in-house designers or um, this whole sports design industry. Like I didn't even know that that was something on the rise. Right. So when I saw that she was speaking and um, what she did, it was like some sort of light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, that's where I want to be. That's what I yeah. want to do. Yeah. And so I just threw myself into research um, as much research as I could about quote unquote sports design. And what is that? And, you know, who's hiring sports designers and how do I go about finding jobs or learning more about this, this industry. And that's what led me to makers of sport podcasts initially. Yeah. Yeah. And so you and I met at some point during that time, I think you joined a community, we started chatting, but you told me on the phone, um, a couple of weeks ago when we chatted that that discovery actually made you go like so much harder, right? Like it was like you had the, so the much extra harder. stuff, like the, you're doing the Aztec stuff, I guess, sort of freelance. And then, um, the, the boxing gym things, is that when you started kind of doing like the matchup posters, uh, uh and those yeah. types of things? Yep. I started, I just started making up my own projects, but I would be using like, you know, real boxing matches that were going to happen. And I actually focused mostly on um, women's boxing matches because I feel like they just don't get enough love. And I feel like a lot lot of their design work that they would have for their posters was just so bad. And meanwhile, you know, all these, you know, the men's fights and all that kind of stuff, they had these like really dope professionally made posters. And I was just like, you know what? they deserve better than that. So then I would just go on Google and make up my own stuff and just find photos of them and create my own matchup posters and tail the tape, you know, them head to head and just designing different things that way as, as passion projects. And I would add those to my portfolio and post those on Instagram. And when I did that, they got a lot of attention from the actual boxers themselves. And then like WBC reposted me one time, Um, so it was just really cool to be able to move into that space and continue to do things that I was passionate about. So in those like matchup posters, were you like actually donating those to the, to the organizations or, or like, were you having any act, any interaction with local organizations and that type of thing through that? Uh, yeah. I mean, in San Antonio, I think I designed maybe two or three posters from some local events. Um, so that was neat, but I mean, I got the, the attention of, um, one of my favorite boxers, um, is, uh, Clarissa Shields. And I got the attention of her, um, manager and he then asked me to make a poster for one of her big upcoming fights. So I was able to just kind of get right in there into the industry and, and get noticed, which was really cool. And it was just really funny. Cause I was so scared to put my work out there. Cause I was like, I don't even know if this is good or not, but I'm just going to put it out here and see what happens. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely a scary thing for creatives, creatives, and I think even seasoned creatives to put your work out there because it feels like we're always comparing our um, our journey to someone else's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that you look up to, and so it makes you like, oh, if, you know, I put this out there, and um, you know, what if it doesn't get any likes? And and then sometimes it just like depends on what time of the day you posted it, right? Or like, um, yeah. <laughs> maybe somebody just didn't see it, or they were working, or and the algorithms, you know, screwed you up. <laughs> and didn't float you to the front or whatever. Um, so you you kind of kept, it seems like you kind of kept, uh, even though you're working at this corporate company still, you still kind of kept searching for this opportunity to get into sports. And at some point, yeah. I think you actually ended up landing some interviews or something. So I ended up landing an interview um, with the Spurs actually, which I was super excited about. It was just for a graphic designer position. Um, and I was able to go in and interview and it was a really great experience because I kind of feel like I went kind of behind the scenes a little bit and, you know, we were chatting and and I kind of learned what they're looking for and things of that nature. And I didn't end up getting the job, but that for me was even more confirmation, like, okay, you can, you can get in the room for an interview, you know, your work is getting better, you know, and just keep pushing and keep pushing. Yeah, I mean, even getting into an interview for like a professional sports team is is kind of a big deal, you know, because you got to imagine how many applications came through uh, mm-hmm. and, and that type of thing. Yeah. So that 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 uh, I assume they they actually ended up hiring someone else. Um, you mm-hmm. kept grinding it out. One thing that I find really interesting was it's almost like the stuff in your portfolio 
Um, a lot of it was kind of free or donated work, but it was free or donate or donated work for real organizations and events. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? Like when I was telling you before, like I knew I had to get my portfolio up. Um, the majority of the work that was in my portfolio, um, on my behance was, was free work. Like it was just passion projects and different things like that. But I think, you know, with, um, but it was like actually in use, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, um, was either like, if I'm making, I was making a graphic still for the Alma city Aztecs. And so that stuff was going out on their channels. So I could, you know, show in my portfolio and do different mock-ups like this stuff is live and actually being used on their page or even with the boxing posters, like I can, you know, reposts maybe WBC reposting me or show that, um, you know, the boxer in this, you know, uh, this graphic that I made, you know, ha- have their attention right. and all those types of things. So that was just really helpful um, in the long run. And even the logos that I created for people, they were in use too. Right. And it almost seems like that that was, um, that actually made you stand out a little more than say, we see a lot of people right now that are trying to break into the industry and they're kind of just creating things for like already famous people or organizations, right? So it'll be like, oh, here's a new Kobe graphic after his passing away or whatever, which is, listen, I'm not not knocking that by any means, but um, you know, what it's, what it seems like you had by doing these things that were free, but were for real people was that you sort of developed Mm -hmm. like some references and whatnot. Would that be true? Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And I would even say if you're trying to beef up your portfolio now, um, instead of just making random projects and things like that, you know, go into your community, like maybe find that restaurant you want to, you know, redo their menu or whatever, or their website or that high school that, you know, their branding is really out of date and they could use a new logo or anything and, and use the community around you to help you get to where you want to be. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. And that's something that everybody I, wins in that situation. Yeah, hundred. I agree. And I mean, that's something that I try to encourage people to do. I mean, I, I know that I've tweeted before that, hey, you know, instead of making fake graphics for, you know, some team that already has a bunch of resources, why not take those skills and, and donate them to a team like, you know, I don't know, like a women's AAU team or like an inner city uh, uh, high school athletics program that maybe is sort of underfunded or whatever. And that way it's like a real project. You're actually taking these, you're actually flexing your, uh, your creative muscles and learning and getting better, but you're doing it with real applicable work that's not like some made up social graphic or whatever for like a, a Super Bowl champion or something. Yeah. And the next level to that too, is just, um, when I, I have people that you can call as references, right? Like I have real people who you can call up, you know, um, let's say Ryan from the Aztecs or my coach or whoever to talk to them about how I worked on the project with them and what that was like. So I created these, you know, real life references for myself, which was great too, because design wise, I didn't really have that many. Right. Right. So eventually you actually did end up getting a break into the sports industry. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, a guy named by the name of Jordan Giesler. He was a former, um, guest on the show. Um, he posted something about like a graphic design assistant or like a seasonal gig with the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, you two connected and, and, and tell us, tell us a little bit about that, about that discovery and sort of how that went meeting him, meeting with him. And then eventually, you know, that, that turned into a move. Yeah. So I, I saw the posting for that job and I was like, I'm going to go for it. Why not? I was in a place in San Antonio where I was really ready to, you know, leave and experience something new. So I was like just applying for jobs. So I saw that when I applied for it um, and I got to interview for it and I was just super excited. I had never in my life been to Kansas City before. (laughs) So that was a little um, nerve wracking a little bit, but I knew they seemed like they had a great organization there. And um, I became familiar um, with Jordan and his work just through him being a fan of Maker of the Sport as well, then also just following his work online and seeing what they were doing at that organization. So um, I was able to interview for it and, you know, Jordan took a chance on me and I got the job and I literally uprooted my whole life and I just moved to Kansas City. Wow. And I literally had to find an apartment within like 
a day or two <laughs> and I had never set foot in Kansas City until the day I moved there. Wow. And so, I, I mean, usually these design assistant roles, um, you know, like you're, you're, you're going to grind it out. Like you're, you're, um, it, they're not super high paying. It's, and honestly, it wasn't even a, uh, I don't believe, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think that it was guaranteed you would be back the next season, right? No, it was a seasonal position. So this is a crazy risk you took. Like big this, time risk. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that job was going to end at a certain point. Um, so I, I mean, at that point, I kind of just felt like, what do I have to lose? Like, just go for it. Like, why not? Um, and it's, it was a great opportunity. And I'm not gonna like say no to the Chiefs or turn that opportunity down. So I just had to, I just had to go for it and just not really focus. I think what I did was not really focus too much on what could happen, and I was really trying to just be present in the moment about what's happening now. And then the rest of the stuff I'll figure out later. Yeah. Like everything will fall into place hopefully. But you know, it's interesting because I think what we're discovering here is um, like you're, you're a total risk taker. I, I mean, I don't know if you, you think yeah. of yourself this way, but it's like, it's a trend. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like you start a business. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that I want to, are you, you know, you first, you start off going to Purdue, uh, which is totally like outside the, outside the norm of, I guess your family, uh, you know, situation. Then you go to, uh, then you start a business for six years and you're like, let's go to San Antonio. I'm going to be a graphic designer now. And now you're just like, I'm going to uproot for this job that is like a, a level above an intern without even knowing like what I'm yeah. going to do. So how do you, how do you, what did you do? Like, how did you make ends meet? Like how, how did you, what did you eat? Like <laughs> how did you, how did you survive? <laughs> like, look, and to be honest, I'm doing all of this and getting this internship, like six years removed from college. And so yeah. I already felt like I was behind. So, But that takes that, like massive I, humility, you know? And I, mean, yeah, I mentioned that about you being, yeah. being humble. Uh, to me, that is like a, a, an amazing quality that I think a lot of people um, wouldn't do. Like the, a lot of people would have a problem working, like having a boss that's old, like younger than them or whatever. Listen, I... I have learned that I, I will learn from anybody. Like I, if you're older than me, younger than me, any of that, like I will learn from anybody. And I kind of just sit back and maybe watch the way people move or how they say things or what they're talking about, especially industry wise. And, um, just, just try to learn from all the situations. And I think me being so removed from school at the time, um, well, I still am, but me being so removed yeah. from school, I think I just realized, you know, that's another thing that was motivation for me because, you know, while I'm sitting here, a uh, 20 whatever year old intern, you know, you have all these recently graduated, you know, kids, I just came out of college. And right. so when I was at the Chiefs, it was like this kind of like weird dynamic there, but I just, that actually even helped me more to just focus in on my craft, on my work and all that kind of stuff. And then the, just the ability to be able to learn from Jordan was insane. And I think it just really boosted me to the next level. Yeah. So what, uh, what do your, um, you know, your, your, your successful long, long time working in one place parents, <laughs> how do they react to these, <laughs> these kinds of changes? You know what? I think they just they just like to see their kids just figure out life. Like yeah. they just supported me any way that I any way that they could and I love them for that so much. Um my siblings, parents, uncles, aunts, like everybody was just super supportive of me and I think um talking about that net of security is it's my family for me. Like yeah. I always knew that no matter what I did, you know, if I failed, if I succeeded, like I'd be okay. Right. Um, so I think that just was a blessing to be able to move through all these situations with that in the back of my head and made the risk a little less scary for me. Yeah. yeah. Now, were there anything, was there anything at, like that you learned at the chiefs or any sort of, uh, projects where you kind of had these like mind blowing moments? Like, I cannot believe that I'm doing this right now. Um, in comparison to what I've been doing in the past or, or any sort of me like key takeaways that, that you remember. Man, I can't think of one specific one, but I do remember an instance where I was getting on the elevator and I held the door and Patrick Mahomes walked on the elevator with me yeah. and I said, oh, second floor. And I hit the button and then he got out the elevator and I was like, 
<laughs> this is my job and where I work. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And like that instance right there, I really uh, had to pinch myself because I think I was just so um, hungry to do the work and all the projects and just learn that I might not even have looked up enough long enough to realize what my favorite one was till after the fact. Well, and I think that, I think that you need those moments when you work in this industry to kind of either like, like center yourself, I guess, or whatever, where you kind of get caught up in the day to day and the grind of a lot of people think about, think working in sports and working as a sports designer that it's, Oh, if I could just do that job, it's so amazing and all this stuff, but they don't understand that like, you know, like for me, I'm I'm doing some work with an NFL team right now. And like this whole week has been spent making 75 JPEG versions of some, (laughs) some ad campaign, you know? Um, so, so like the day to day, there tends to be a lot of production work. You, get to work on some really cool things every once in a while, but you know, a lot of your job ends up being that kind of stuff. And I think you need those moments to be like, wow, this is still very cool that I get, that I get to the, I guess, quote unquote honor of being able to do this type of thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think oddly enough, one of my favorite projects that I worked on with the chiefs was a print project and it was the community report, um, that they put out at the, at the end of, I think it was the end of every season. But that for me was really different because it was just something I had never done before. It's like a 30 plus page book, um, that I designed. And I think many, um, many of the assistants get to do as one of their big projects. And, I just had I just had so much fun doing that one um, because it was just so different and challenging for me. Yeah. So eventually, you ended up meeting Caitlin. Uh, you'll have to help me with her last name. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I, I think was she? You did you meet her at the Chiefs? She was a former Chiefs designer at the time. Yeah. No. She. Yeah. She worked for the Chiefs uh, once upon a time as well with Jordan. Um, before well, I think well before that I got there, um, but we had were able to connect through um, the Made in the Middle conference that we both attended. Uh, myself, her, and Jordan. Um, so that was cool to be able to meet her and you know talk to her about what she does um, across the parking lot and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were able to connect too. We went over to the um, we went over to Kauffman Stadium for a game. Um, myself, the other intern, and, and Jordan. Um, earlier on in the time that I was there and got to meet uh, her and her intern as well. So that was really neat. Mm-hmm. And you just realize how small the community is for sports designers in general and then also in Kansas City. Right. So definitely had an appreciation for what they were doing over there. Did you, when you went to MLC, was it, uh, were you with the Royals at the time or were you still with the Chiefs? I can't remember. Uh, I was with the Royals. Okay, okay. So at some point, the Royals did have a design, a graphic design opening and and you got in over there. Was that, how how big of a gap was there between like Chiefs gig ends? You're kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? Was it like a a quick transition or how did that go? So before I left the Chiefs, um, I was trying to figure out, you know, of course, I know this is coming to an end and I got to figure out my next move. And I saw um, out of the blue that the Royals were hiring a graphic designer. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, yeah, let me go ahead and apply for that. right there. You know? Right. And it, I was just like, I got to jump on that because, you know, Kansas City, I enjoyed my, t- I had enjoyed my time uh, here so far and had made some friends and it was cool. Cause you know, Kansas city is very similar in my opinion to Cincinnati mm-hmm. um, in that it's a smaller, big city when you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and there's enough things to do and people to connect with here. Um, so it was, it felt comfortable to me. So I was like, I could stay here a couple more years. So I went ahead and applied to that job and, um, the timing just lined up so well, uh, which was really, really, um, really, really cool. So, you know, I applied and, you know, went through the interview process and all of that stuff and, you know, um, found out I got the job, um, a couple weeks, probably like, actually more like a month later. Yeah. And so I just stayed in Kansas city and moved across the parking lot. So was that like uh, straight from football season and into baseball season? Like, did you jump in while, like, while it was hot <laughs> or what, did you? Yep, have a- it was literally no <laughs> off season. I got there in, uh, the end of February. So that's, you know, right when football's wrapping up and right. then there's like, I probably had, we were in, we were in season within a couple of weeks, I think. So 
that there was no off season there, but you know, baseball is a, a bit more of a slower pace. It's not a sprint every week. It's more so yeah. like of a endurance type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a regular season. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now you've been there, what, two years close to uh, a year and a half. Yeah. So coming, this coming February will be two years. I am curious to know what it's been like to work there with Caitlin, because I think that her style of work is very interesting to me. Um, it, it kind of doesn't, it's not like what you would think is like when you say sports design, like it's not something that sort of like stereotypically pops into your head. She definitely mm-hmm. pushes the limits on that. And I think from an, like from a total outsider perspective and someone's kind of observe your, observe your career from like your Aztec days, it seems like that it's kind of rubbed off on you too, because it seems like you're both doing sort of this really experiential work where you're kind of doing like these lettering things. Um, you're, you're really trying to push the envelope a little bit. Can you, can you discuss that and kind of those in like, what are, what are you all being influenced by? Yeah, for sure. I, so Caitlin's probably gonna hate me for this, but I'm going to hype her up because Caitlin is one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. Um, and I think, you know, she just has a really strong, even a fine arts background, in my opinion, and being able to just draw and sketch and that freedom to just create different things, different and weird things. And so definitely seeing her, the way she uses that and interweaves that with baseball, you know, she's been there for a couple of years. And I think once you've been somewhere for a couple of years, you really want to push to try to see how you can elevate that brand and elevate the look and try some different things. And I think um, her being in that stage has kind of like made, pushed me in a way to try different things as well and not maybe lay something out the same way I would have, or maybe I go and procreate first and then I come back out and I just go back into Photoshop or whatever it might be um, to just kind of, you know, push each other to, to take those extra steps to do something different. Um, so we get a lot of freedom um, because I think our, you know, our higher ups, they trust us. And I think, um, we're able to just create some really cool things and you know it, sometimes it works really well sometimes you're like mm, okay I'll try you know something different next time but the fact that we're able to experiment in that way um, is really great so if um, you know working in-house can sometimes be uh, you can you, you can kind of sometimes feel pretty static right like um, it, it's kind of it's cyclical. Things kind of come back. The seasons, the seasons back again. Now you're making like more stats, graphics, or whatever, or you know, some kind of you know, sort of day to day mundane. I like to say sort of like these mundane things of like the day to day kind of life that people don't see. A lot of people deal with that. So I'm curious how you you did mention that your staff is a little more open. Um, have you ever had any any uh, situations where you've had to try to maybe push a little bit, or or have they been kind of open arms with every every sort of interesting thing that you do that's outside what would be kind of considered the norm of like something you'd see in baseball i i mean i feel like we've certain things we've always got to push and you know it's not really like you know we want to do this crazy thing yeah sure go ahead like sometimes it's you know there's a deeper conversation that needs to happen and i think um caitlin's really good at discerning what conversations need to happen and for what projects um so a most of the time, everything is, you know, a conversation, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we always have to get approval and always have to go through the proper channels to do everything. Um, but it's great that, you know, Caitlin and her time there has solidified that trust aspect with the higher ups to where now me coming in and our intern coming in behind, behind her, we're able to, um, just have a little bit more fun with different projects and try some different things out. Yeah. So what, what does your, your creative, what does a creative makeup look like there as far as like the staff? Yeah. So we have, so we are a creative services department, which is Caitlin, um, is running that. And then it's myself. And then we also have a seasonal assistant. And then we also have our digital team, which is completely separate, um, from our creative services, but we all work together daily really. Um, and that's two videographers and they have also their assistant and then you have their manager and then, um, the manager above that and a social media manager as well. So are you getting to uh, like dabble in any of that as far as offering like art direction support or kind of ideation things with, with the, uh, any of the motion side of things? Um, I would say, you know, 
I would say it this way that anybody's idea is open to being discussed. So I can throw out an idea and say, Oh, this sounds cool. You know, what if we did it this way or we could try that. Um, and then our digital team will run with it with all their expert expertise and make something super amazing. So um, that probably would be the extent of, of that, but they do a great job, you know, just coming up with different ideas and, ways to shoot things and, and animate things. Um, so that's, they're just amazing at everything they do that they do. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, um, as we kind of, kind of get to the end here, your, your career has been, like I said, it's been eclectic. It's been interesting. You've had kind of like these, like, uh, it's like split up into like sections sort of, right. Where it's like entrepreneur, graphic designer and a corporate thing now moves into sports design. Um, do you ever think about like, you know, what's next or like, where do you want to be in 10 years? Are you looking to kind of move into a leadership, like creative director role, or maybe you're not designing and you're just kind of, uh, coming up with the idea and being in more meetings and kind of doing strategic stuff or, or even like, has it ever popped in your head where you're like, you know, I want to go move into another field or even jump back into the entrepreneurial scene. You know, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you always have that bug. Like yeah. you always have that itch. <laughs> yep. So I don't think that actually yeah. ever goes away. So I definitely foresee myself sometime in the future having some sort of business again at some point. Um, that's just, I think that's just how I'm wired now. Um, but in terms of just where I'm at now in my career, I definitely want to, you know, take those next steps and have those leadership roles and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't mind, you know, eventually you sitting back and kind of giving direction and being in more meetings and, and like those strategic things you're talking about, um, and just kind of leading a team. So I'm just working on myself and my soft skills, my design skills, mm-hmm. um, and all of that kind of stuff. And just kind of listening to the conversations that are being had around me in terms of, um, strategy and higher ups and why people make certain decisions and just kind of just continuing to learn and be a student of it all. Um, so I can put myself in the best position I can to, you know, lead my own team one day. So it's all a process and I'm just excited to be along for the, for, for the ride. So in addition to the, um, experiential work and kind of the lettering things and all the cool stuff you're doing for your job, you're, actually learning some things outside of your job as well. Um, one of those being video. Can you elaborate on that and sort of like how important it is to expand your skills outside of maybe just being a graphic designer and how it all sort of ties together at the top with like just being a creative in general? Yeah, I think so. I started learning video probably like a month or so ago. And I feel like, you know, sometimes as a designer, you know, you just get, you want something different. And I think um, from, you know, between completing all the tasks that you're completing and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, what's something new I can learn? And for me, motion was just, I'm not ready to learn that yet. (laughs) So I was like, um, let me try out video. Like, I just know that we have some really amazing, um, content producers at the Royals and I'm just like, okay, they're making really neat videos. And, um, I know somebody who wanted to start a YouTube channel and things like that. So I was like, let me just try and see, um, if I can, learn and shoot some cool things. So I got a new camera and I'm just trying to learn that whole world right now, which has been, um, it's a lot to learn. It's, it's so much to learn, but I'm having fun with it and just shooting random things and taking it out to the park or getting video of my dog or anything like that. Um, so, so far it's been really fun. What, what I kind of find interesting, interesting is you're not, I haven't seen you really posting any of that stuff. I don't think so. It, it kind of, uh, I'm kind of curious uh, you know, we we sort of live in this world where every it feels like you're you should, you're supposed to post everything you make to social media, right? And and, and like in this sense, you're learning. Yeah. And you don't. It's like you don't feel the pressure to post to social. No, I don't. I feel like sometimes I feel like the process of things and the process of learning can be intimate in a way. And I feel like I just want to keep this, you know, to me and just kind of you know when I feel ready to share something, I'll I'll share something when I you know when I want to. And, um, I think right now it's just something that I do as a hobby that I would like to grow eventually, um, to be able to, you know, shoot, you know, a decent looking video one day. Yeah. Now are we going to see a Tori Boykins YouTube channel in the, in the near future? Ooh, um, I don't know about that. I don't know what I would talk about. (laughs) You can always go back and talk about your Pokemon stuff. That's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know what? You just had to bring that up again. 
start a po- start a you know Pokemon what? Go channel and uh, <laughs> and bring this whole thing uh, full circle. You know, <laughs> I I could that would be the right thing to do to bring it full circle. <laughs> well, listen in in wrapping up, um, I want to end on a on a super positive note. Um, we twenty twenty has obviously been a freaking crazy year. We're we're sort of living in divisive times and sort of unpredictable times as far as like the virus and and all of these various things with like race issues and and all of this stuff. Um, I know at least for me, like like I, I admire your work ethic and your humility and your willing your willingness to learn. And it's always been really inspiring to me um, having met you. You know, three, four years ago, however long it was, and even yeah. even with the conversations that we had, where you were just like constantly asking me things, and I, and you generally like get a sense of a person like with their curiosity, um, mm-hmm. you know. But but I think that one of the facts here is that you also are a woman of color inside uh, this, a sports design organization. There are 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 a sports organization. Um, there are a lot of. Uh, people that are wanting to get in, uh, people that that look like you, young girls that look like you that are wanting to get into the sport or get into uh, sport from some angle, right? Whether that's like design or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can leave a like one legacy behind in your career when it's all said and done, uh, something something that kind of lives on that you'd like to be remembered by outside of like the design portfolio itself, like outside of the work. What is it that you kind of want to like leave as a takeaway for people that are listening to this that may be like in that spot that are looking at you as like this inspiration? Um, you know, what, what, what would you want to say to, to someone like that? I would just say, you know, as you're moving through the industry or whatever field you're in or anything, just try your best to stay true to who you are in whichever way you decide to move. Um, you know, take things from other people in terms of, you know, uh, how you're, you know, what moves they made and, you know, watch that kind of stuff, but also make sure that you stay in touch with who you are and, um, what you, what you want to do. And if you feel like something's not a good fit for you, um, it's probably not like, don't change anything that you're doing to fit into something else. Um, so I would, I would just say, make sure you just continue to, to be creative, be free and just move through the world the way you want to move through the world and everything will work out for you. Very cool. Well, listen, Tori, it's been awesome getting to know you over the years. I, I, I truly consider you a friend. I'm super proud of you for, um, you know, Thank I you. feel like I've been able to watch this climb and now I'm like, dude, like Tori's, <laughs> yeah. Tori's work's so freaking good, man. I want to like your compositing oh, that you put out there recently and, even just putting that Thank work you. out there, right? We were discussing like the confidence of, do I put this work out there? And and that that yeah. seems to be a popular popular piece showing that process. So yeah, it's one of the scariest parts of it. And I still <laughs> to this day in the makers of sport community, I remember like the feedback channel. I'd post different logos or graphics I was working on that were just so bad. They were so bad, but like just putting it out there and getting feedback on it, you know, every time was just something that helped build me up. Well, and just get better and better. And, and I think, and I think something that's amazing to kind of like close this whole loop here is that you've actually since had the opportunity to meet and probably get to know pretty well Ashley Strauss. So I know that she'll like feel yeah. super blessed by knowing that like you, yeah. she was like an inspiration to you because I don't think that she knows that. Yeah, so. for sure. So. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming aboard. Um, why don't you give listeners a, a place where they can reach out, be it through social media or email or whatnot, uh, wherever wherever you would like to best be contacted if, if people have questions? Um, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Tori Boykins, T-O-R-I-B-O-Y-K-I-N-S, and same handle for uh, Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Tori. Yeah, thanks so much, Adam. This is awesome. Thanks again, Tori. My next guest is going to be Matt Halfhill of Nice Kicks. Matt is a veteran digital media entrepreneur in the footwear space. His website, nicekicks.com, is one of the most influential voices in the crowded footwear media industry. At Nice Kicks has 4 million followers on Instagram and has become one of the most trusted sources for breaking news, credible writing, and history about the sneaker industry. You can follow Nice Kicks on both Twitter and Instagram at Nice Kicks, and Matt's personal accounts can be found at Matt Half Hill on both IG and Twitter. That is at M A T T H A L F H I L L. 
Big thanks again to my good friend, Tori Boykins, for coming aboard the podcast. She has so many layers. I'm glad we were able to peel some of them back. I'm so proud of what she's been able to accomplish in this industry in such a short time, and I definitely admire her grit and her hustle. As she mentioned, you can find her both on Instagram and Twitter at Tori Boykins, and then her work can be seen at ToriBoykins.com. Past Makers of Sport episodes can be found in Apple Podcasts at makersofsport.com slash iTunes or on SoundCloud or Spotify or the website makersofsport.com. If you enjoy the sponsor-free content coming from Makers of Sport and are interested in keeping it advertising-free, you can support the show by becoming a member of the community, which can be found at makersofsport.com slash community. In exchange for your fiscal support, you'll have access to additional and ever-changing content such as private Q&As with future former and special guests, community video hangouts, as well as interact, share private, trustworthy feedback, and build relationships with like-minded individuals in the live chat. You'll also receive a 20% discount on all Makers of Sport products. Speaking of Makers of Sport products, I do have an apparel store. You can check that out at makersofsport.com store. There will be new designs launching from time to time. Uh, a current favorite, which was actually ordered by the entire Atlanta Falcons creative staff, is the Sport is Made by Us t-shirt. Um, every purchase does go to support the MOS brand as I do pour all of the dollars back into this company to allow me to continue writing, researching, and bringing high-value educational sports design and creativity content to you for free. Lastly, please take one to two minutes, head over to makersofsport.com iTunes, click the five-star, and write about your positive experience with the show. This helps others like yourself discover the podcast and the value it brings educationally to people wanting to work on the creative side of this sports business. If you cannot support the show fiscally, these comments are a great way to show your support and love. I do read them all and it definitely inspires me and helps me to continue going. I'll also accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever other podcast application you enjoy listening in. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. The show is at Makers of Sport. You can also find me on Instagram at tamartin.studio. Until next time, have a good week. Hey.